1: What's happening, people? And what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. Oppressed. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Alexa, what is the baddest podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup, and that coffee is best 2 to 14 days after it's been roasted. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the back. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E ecom
1: What's happening, people? What you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, the rawest opinion. Why give me the straight up facts? No fake news here. I'm Jules. Press. Giving sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. On this episode, we'll be pulling back the curtain on the effects of big banks' biases in their lending practices within the Chicagoland era and much, much more.
0: Press was popping. We got a lot to unpack in this episode. I'm definitely uh, looking forward to chopping it up with you, man. Uh, what's been going on with you, bro? Real quick, I just want to,
1: you know, I think we do a disservice if we don't. We've been informing our people, and I just want to inform them something else. Uh, I work closely with a lot of firefighters, and and I just want to, you know, give my condolences and my prayers and thoughts to the uh, Williams family. You know, Dwayne Williams was a retired firefighter who got shot and killed yesterday with a parent uh, car and. I just want to give my condolences and also tell people out there, when you're out in the streets, just be mindful and be careful when you traveling to and from from uh work and stuff like that and home and just 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 be vigilant out there. You know, it's rough out there and a lot of people not working, a lot of opportunists, and and we don't want nobody, you know, hurt and killed over, over uh material things, you know. So I just wanna just add
0: that little, little bit in there, prayers. Rest in peace uh, to, to that uh, firefighter and his family. Uh, it's tough, tough loss. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of the episode, man, I did want to kind of give you a little uh, something to be a little uh, happy about uh, in regards to the podcast, uh, Jules. So in regards to some of the uh, messages that we've been receiving on our uh, Twitter and Instagram accounts, we've got a lot of people, man, that have been liking some of these series that we've been doing on like the civil rights aspects of bloody Sunday. And then people really were feeling what we're doing with this red line and talking about the real estate stuff, man. So we began some really good uh, shout outs from some of our listeners. So we definitely appreciate that love. And I wanted to pass that on to you as well, man,
1: definitely, definitely appreciate all the responsive feedbacks, man. We appreciate it.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is like uh, we told everybody on season two, we wanted to make sure that we were hitting you guys with thought provoking uh, content, so it's good to know that our listeners are, you know, definitely receiving this content well and appreciate the work that uh, Jules and I have been bringing on each of these episodes. It's, uh it's been awesome for us to do this stuff. And in some cases, it's been emotional thinking about some of these conditions of the past. And now some of these conditions still remain the same today.
1: As grandma say, food for thought. You know, we we giving all this information and educating people why we're doing this pod. And, you know, we 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 do these things and I'm we also learning too. So that's just 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 excellent and stuff and like you said it's more things we can do and stuff and we'll be providing and coming with some, some real dope topics and real raw opinions so so we just urge and, and please and people just keep tuning in and tell your folks and tell your folks folks and their peoples to, to tune in and check us out
0: yes sir because uh yeah we're not going anywhere <laughs> we no, gonna sir. Keep coming. <laughs> here we go keep coming so one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, Jules, uh, just with some things that I've kind of seen happen in the last week or so, something that we didn't even get the chance to talk about last episode, was uh, that Burt B's uh, controversy that happened with the ad. Did you did you see that situation?
1: I saw it and, 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 and read about it and was like, still 2020, we're still we still doing this, but okay, all right. And, you know, and that was the problem. See, Pre, so we have a series of photos, right? Christmas, uh images you got four families three of them you had a you had a, a you had a father wife couple kids second photo father wife couple kids third photo same thing a father wife couple kids in the fourth photo you have black female and two black kids but there was no there was no father now the first three photos I described they all had have fathers or a male figure in you know in this in this photo it got backlash because it was like, wait a minute, you know, everybody got loving and happy family. Well, how come this, you know, how come the black lady didn't have a a father, a husband, or whatever the case may be, standing next to her with with her kids?
0: Not to mention Jules, the fact that every one of those other p- families, there was a white family, there was a Hispanic mm-hmm. family. So for every right. different race that was out there, they showed them in a united front. Whereas with the black lady she was a single mother. But go ahead, right. I just want to make right. sure our audience kind of got that part of it.
1: No, no, you right. They do. No, no, you're totally right. Because that's the important piece. That was important piece. All those three had different ethnic group and stuff, and they all had family, but the Black ladies just only had two. And that was, I mean, they uh, had two kids, and and that was messed up and it got backlash for it because it's like, well, wait, what? There's no father in the household or just because the family's Black, that means there's no father or role model or a male figure or something? I mean, what was going on? So that bad stereotype right there that black families are raised without their fathers, that's, that's messed up, you know, cause of those in, and in and, and Berkbees, you know, of course they, they issue their, they're not a part of that ad, you know, uh, a collective compile of, uh, by their company, but that was posted by a, a Twitter user, I guess, a third party. And those are, they're using I- images of, you know, actual families, but they, they didn't have an actual uh, black family of a, of a, a wife, husband and two kids.
0: What I kind of gathered from that situation, what they said was whoever the, the model was for that black family, mm-hmm. uh, they weren't able to all be there at the same time. And for whatever reason, they decided to go forward with posting that image without the father involved. But I kind of uh, call bullshit on that. Even if that were the case, you mm-hmm. need to tell me that you guys couldn't have photoshopped somebody in that picture or right. find another different family. Right. Because to your point, that's a dangerous stereotype that's out there, and it's been out there. And you are a prime example. You and and your brothers are a prime example of what a father in a household is. You guys have had that. So that narrative is a lazy narrative. (laughs) Oh,
1: man, yeah, listen. Not only, I had had some friends make fun of me now, because they tell you, yeah, you grew up in two family (laughs) households, you know? So, But not only I had that, we shared, uh, uh, my grandparents stayed upstairs. So my grandfather was upstairs too. So it was two, it was two oh, wow. middle role models in the uh, in my
0: household. Wow. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's the thing, but they'll try to make you believe that we, we, we all, you know, grow up in households with single mothers. Now, that is a reality for some, but it's not a reality for the whole. And I mm-hmm. think that that's a dangerous uh, stereotype because to be honest, I just still don't know why in this day in 2020, it's so hard for them to find four family models and make them all look the same. That's it. Yeah,
1: true. Yeah. I mean, he hit it right when he called bullshit and stuff like that, man. I mean, this right here shouldn't be. You mean somebody looked at this and said, All right, we can, this is good. We can send this off without saying, I know somebody was in that group. <laughs> I know somebody was in that group was like, Wait a minute. The four family doesn't have a father and anybody else do. Don't you think we'll see some backlash from this? I know right. nobody in that group
0: said that. Right. And that's the bigger problem. Thank you, Jules, for saying that. <laughs> that is the bigger problem here. Now, fuck their excuses. The fact that they don't have people in that house, in that inside in house, that when they're reviewing these ad campaigns, they're like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I don't think people are gonna like this too much." Because right. <laughs> when I first saw
1: it, it was like, "Okay, I right, B's baby. Okay, cool. But what happened to the brother on this? and this picture? <laughs> <laughs> where the, where the brother at? What? What a brother.
0: What he taking a picture? What's what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: And you know what? That would have been funny if they would have said, you know, in that fourth picture, our photographer had to go somewhere. So the brother ended up, you know, saying to take, take the picture.
0: Yeah, they are like, you know what? It's okay. It's, he's not important anyway. Just go ahead and take the picture for the family,
1: bro. <laughs> Dale. It's funny we joke about and stuff, but it's not surprising, man. Still. No, no. I mean, man, you know what? I just read uh passingly that uh Faison Love, the comedian. Okay. There was a discrepancy on the the poster. What was what was that movie he was in? Wedding, oh man, it's called Couples Retreat, and the international movie poster didn't have him on there. Oh,
0: you know what? You're right about that. That's
1: right. I forgot right. about that. Right. <laughs> it just it just hit me when we're talking about this, and I just read that just passingly. I'm like, what are we?
0: What we can't sell or something? What, what, you, what you what you what what, what people telling us? I mean, what's going on? Well, I just tell you, man, narratives, man, it's the narrative that they want to put out there. And it's like the things that we talk about on this podcast. And this is why, you know, people of color need to wake up and see these things for as they are. Right. Because when they try to tell you the areas that you come from are nothing and they try to tell you that you're nothing and people start to believe that shit. Well, when you see examples of this and, and they'll try to tell you, oh, it was an accident. Nah, nah, I'm not buying that because all these companies right now. Have diversity and inclusion type people in house. So you mean to tell me that if Burt Bees had that person in house, that person and review this and say this is a good ad to go out? No, they <laughs> obviously they don't either have that person in house or B. This never even came to their mind. They didn't see anything wrong with that image at all.
1: Right, and you know I was, and you know sometimes be looking stuff up, and you know Malcolm said this years ago. He stated about. You know, some people need to be re- re-educated on things so that you know racism that they have it in their heart to be to be eliminated. And he talk about the media as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the mind of the masses of the group here. If we put stuff out that way about a group or or or, or a gender, whatever the case may be. You're you're kind of shaping some people' minds that way. If they're gullible and they and they blind and they can't you know read between the lines and see things and view things for themselves. You kind of put out this bad, like, say, this stereotype that oh, well, oh, okay, so the black father's not in the household. When you look at this ad, and those right. are things that have to have to be eliminated. And say, well, no, no, the women, the women, the black women don't have birth by themselves. They need a man. So I mean, so, so yeah, like you said, Prayers, man, there's there's some things like 2020. We, you, you, you got to be better. You got to be better than this. I, I, you know, I get it. You know, Burpee's. They said you know they sorry for the hurt image that they had caused, and they recognized the importance of portraying family in a way and that doesn't promote harmful harmful stereotypes and stuff like that but like we said somebody in the saw that picture before they went to the press and was like yeah you know what this ain't gonna go over too well but they say ah forget it what you know about it rookie you don't know what you're talking about sitting so anyway so those are things we just got to get better and then this should this should be a lesson to every other uh people out there who's promoting selling things to you know, just be more, just be more aware and cognitive of, of what you're doing and in an unbiased type of uh, <laughs> approach here.
0: Yeah, man. Because I would say I wish this was the first time that something like this has happened, but it's not. M- Macy's had a situation happen like this a couple years ago, um, and they also posted an ad where basically they had uh, the black family was the only one with the father not present. And I'll just say this point blank: representation matters, but it also has an impact when it's not done correctly. Mm-hmm. So. In these situations with Burt B's and Macy's, they don't understand the damage that's done by ads that, like, go and reach millions of people. Shit, probably even more than that, right? And so mm-hmm. it's just dangerous, very dangerous.
1: We said all we need to say on this, man. I mean, like you said, very dangerous and stuff, man. Just just be better, man. Be better. Do better, man. And that's all I got, man. Just, Just think of everybody all ages and race and stuff like that. Just just, just think what you're doing before. Like my mom said, think before you, what did she, she say? Think before you leap or do or whatever the case may be, but always think and, ed- and educate and know what you're doing and know what you're saying before you see it and do things.
0: Say so your mom's always is a wise one. <laughs> You guys listen to your mama, boy. Yeah, you always talk, <laughs> still
1: talking to me to this day, man. Which I appreciate, love her for
0: <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so one of the things uh, from last weekend, and we didn't get a chance to talk about this because we recorded Saturday last week, was that Tyson and uh, Jones fight, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Man, all I'm gonna say about that fight, and I'll probably have a little bit more to say, but the big takeaway for me was Snoop Dogg from that fight. Oh, dude. <laughs> dude, Snoop is a fool, man. Bro, they need to give Snoop a contract to commentate these fights in the future, man. I'm telling you, he was awesome.
1: Well, you know, I just read that uh that they got this uh th- there's a boxing league called the Fight Club. Okay, and they are uh, going to be promoting more box more on um, fights and stuff, and and Snoop have Snoop come in as a commentary, dude.
0: Oh, see, that's awesome. That's awesome. What's that called, Fight Club? You said? Yep, the Fight Club. Okay. So are they gonna to try to uh compete with uh Tyson's uh uh what's that legends uh boxing league that he's
1: doing? Oh maybe then maybe because they was talking about how they're gonna promote more fights that you know that they just had Tyson and um and Jones and stuff like that. And also fights like uh 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 what's the what's the uh, what's the boy name who got knocked out? The you basketball about, player.
0: You're talking about Nate Robinson, he got yeah, Nate, some, by, yeah, some, some little undercards and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah little yeah. fights like that. Well, the big thing with that Tyson Jones fight was <laughs> Snoop had me dying when he was saying that watching those two fights was like watching your mm. uncles fighting at the barbecue. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Because <laughs> I'm telling you this Roy Jones was looking like he didn't want to be in that ring. He looked like he was half drunk. Roy was grabbing and hugging on him. I was like, man, Roy looked tired. Roy, like, man, I don't want this shit no more. Get me out of here.
1: <laughs> Dude, I'm watching it. <laughs> of course. Of course. I, uh, was working, so so I, I called it the next day. And I'm watching this thing and I'm like, what in the world is this? It was entertaining. Snoop definitely helped out. It was just good to see them two uh, in the ring. Now, I ain't gonna lie. I was a little worried of Roy, man. Cause when you, I know you were seeing the, the videos of Mike working out and training. This dude was looking ferocious. And I was like, damn, man, I don't know, Roy. I don't know if you want to take this fight, man. Cause Mike's still looking good, man. Well, I thought that's why they delayed it a little bit to give Royce more time to get ready because uh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously he needed more time. And did you see in, in them the rounds that uh I don't know what is what, what was up with Mike uh the corner man, but they couldn't get that stool for Mike fast enough for so he could sit down. Michael's still standing
0: up. Yeah, but you know what? I also thought that was just like that caged beast in him, man. He he was he was ready, <laughs> like yeah, he was, I was pacing. He was pacing. I'm like, man, man that's Mike right there. He's back. Because you had, that was, that was, you had his dynamic on that side. You had Roy who couldn't find that stool fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) He was over over there Yeah. During the fight, they, Roy's corner person said, Hey, are you seeing these punches? And he said, I think so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, Mike looked good, man. He was bopping and weaving and he was throwing combinations and body and head and stuff. Now, he didn't throw too much to the uh, to the head because he, Mike knew Mike knew Roy didn't have it in him. He had he had the gas, no. so he was pretty much throwing little body shots, Body shots. Tap him.
0: He was tap him was tearing, he was tearing, he was tearing up the ribs.
1: Ooh, and you was handling, you was handling punches. They asked Roy. He said, he said that fight was hard. He said it was harder than he thought it was going to be. And and he said, man, Mike hit hard. He said everything hurt his head, yeah.
0: his <laughs> hurt his head. He said everything hurt.
1: His arm should have his arms
0: should have been hurting from wrestling with him for eight rounds. Like, yeah, he should, he was all messed up there. Now, normally,
1: yeah, when you tie a person up, man, you 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 trying to stop their their combinations of like that. The only problem is see, Tyson come in. Tyson was like what 12 pounds heavier than Roy. Right. Tyson came in about 220, 222, four, something like that. And and Roy was about 210. So he's already a
0: rate advantage uh at, at going in. But you know what? One thing that I th- I saw that in this fight where I'll, I know Tyson looks solid in this fight, and we all love Tyson, but a lot of people were kind of like, oh, I think Tyson can make a comeback. I don't think that that's um, something that he should do or think about, right. because if he co- goes into the ring, let's just say with somebody like a Wilder or a Fury, the point that Jules just brought up is the fact the way the mic was coming in. Well, when Mike was coming in, Roy wasn't able to uh, actually benefit from Mike coming in the way he was when he was uh, trying to make those. uh, He was trying to hit him with the straight hand. Right. The cross. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, a guy like Fury and Wilder, they'll make Mike pay. And I love Tyson. But I'm just basically saying that, guys, Roy Jones wasn't able to capitalize when Mike was was basically trying to go on the attack. No, no,
1: no, no, no. Yeah, when I when I was in that people talking about, oh man, he can, he can, he can regain the title, man. Wilder and Joshua and, 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 and tight No, no, no. no. People, come on now. Mike, no. Mike Tyson, 54 years old. He
0: yeah, looked he, good. He, he looked good. Yeah. And he and he still got punching power, bro. Yeah.
1: Now yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with him.
0: Hell. But
1: no. but you put him up against Deontay and the boys, uh, you know, somebody who can go the distance and then some, who's always throwing them combinations, stuff like that. Man, that's that. No, that's a different story, man. That's that's a different story.
0: Wilder catching with that straight right. That's oh, over.
1: dude, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and and plus, you know, you had the rules. You had it was eight. It was eight rounds, two minute eight two minute rounds. Excuse me. Yeah, you had the twelve ounce gloves, normal gloves, is ten ounces. There wasn't any gears, but there was no knockouts. And then if somebody get cut and stuff like that, that that was it. They were so it was Yeah, yeah it, it was an exhibition. It's it's
0: it's, it's like sparring. Yeah and it, and it ended in a draw even though we know that mm-hmm. Mike won. Oh yeah,
1: Mike clue won and they both got belts and stuff like man. But
0: it was for entertainment. That, that was that, that part was cute.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was
0: nice. Ooh wee.
1: But you know that that right there man, it was just it was just for entertainment, that's all. But hey, I was cool with it man with, with Snoop and stuff and and, and good to see, good to see Mike and Roy uh, back in the um, ring and stuff, man.
0: Hey, I thought it was, I thought it was a good, Louis, good Louis event, man. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind it at all, man. I, I, I would just say that uh, Roy, he, he, was just basically trying to just survive. And and I, and listen, a lot of people talk shit about Roy, but you tried to get in the ring with a guy like Tyson, that you come talk to me about what you did, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, I give kudos, big, big shout out to Roy, for just getting in there. Because I'd have been like, oh boy on Friday. They're like, you want to fight Mike? I'd be like, no. Nope. <laughs> no, sir. I don't have a death wish.
1: Mm. Nope. No. It, but it was cool, man. I can't wait to uh you know, future events. What if they have like maybe Vander or 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 Linux or somebody else or you know?
0: Oh, I would love if he fought Linux. Cause I, I didn't like the way that that went with him last time with Linux. Yeah, Mike was on it. He was on his way. He was out at that time. Yeah. He wasn't. Yeah, I, I still remember that man. All y'all crammed into my uh, one bedroom condo, man. We had about fifty people in there watching that damn fight. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> man, we was
1: all geared up, like man, Mike looking good and stuff like that, man. And nope,
0: nope. Oh. Damn you, Linux. I guess Linux was a conqueror, right? Hey man, Linux a bad boy, man. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he. he was you bad. know what? He didn't get a lot of credit. Hmm. He didn't get a lot of credit. But he was a bad boy. Now yeah. you know who else is a bad boy. Uh oh, Who, who's it? Your boy Jake Paul. Woo!
1: <laughs> man, man. Oh, Woo!
0: Hey, friends, what happened, man? I'm gonna tell you what happened. <laughs> what happened was Nate should have had his ass in that ring. Now, yep. let's just be honest that Paul kid, he's actually fought before. Mm-hmm. And so when you go into the ring, and, and, and you know this just like I do, because we both box. Mm hmm. That ain't no sport that you play around with. You can't play box, bro. And okay. so it's one of those things that were, you could tell that Nate didn't have proper training. And while I love this aggressiveness, bro, <laughs> that fight shouldn't have lasted as long as it did with the way that Nate was just running in on him like that. I'm like, bro, you don't run up on somebody like that and don't defend yourself. I was like, you know what? I heard Kryptonate. Kryptonate
1: said that he was training every day. Two times a day. That's what I That's what I I read or okay. heard. Rather. Okay. Okay. What I saw out there, he reverted back to his street stuff because that's what you do in the street. Now that look like one of them fights to Rita. <laughs>
0: Dude,
1: I was like, this is some easy work. Right. Said, who run Who runs at somebody with their hands down?
0: With their hands down.
1: And their chin up. Whew.
0: I was like, man, what is he doing? I mean, running. Running. And that, that's one thing. The only thing that I give, I give okay, I, I take that back. I give Nate props for two things. First thing, for getting in the ring, because anybody that gets in the ring, that's a level of respect there. And the mm-hmm. second thing was his aggressiveness. But anything after that, Nate, bro, don't ever get in the boxing ring again, fam. Don't do it. Uh,
1: no, no. You know, not unless he just get back in the gym and just start training and really see. Here the thing is, you got to put thousands of hours into it, thousands of hours. So once you get in these situations, you go back to your training. I don't, me that he talking about working out for six days a week, two times a day. I don't believe that because what he showed out there was just
0: he was he was not prepared. No, man. I, I don't see the training. What was he training right, for? Right. I didn't see none. Was, was this basketball training or this is this boxing training? Because what I saw, I'm like, that wasn't no boxing training you did, bro. Man, you know, you you and then you, let's
1: let's be honest. When you're in there, it's a mind game in there. Yes, boy, Jake Paul, Jake Paul 6'1 about buck 90. So his reach is 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 far more longer than 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 kryptonate because kryptonate's only like five nine. Right. He's a little stocky, he's 181. So he has the power, but see, when you're a shorter fighter, you got to get in. And then when you get in, you don't run straight in. You got you to peekaboo it. You got to dip and dodge and, you know, you got to do what what what, what smoking Joe was doing. That's right. That's <laughs> Man, right. You got to get inside because all, all Jake had to do was just stand back there and just jab you. But he had to do that. Hey, hey, you was telling me for him. You came in there and just with your hands down, he would just
0: tag you on the head, knock him down three times. Yeah, he got him three times. and so On that second knockdown... The ref gave him a couple extra seconds because I was like, bro, he felt like he was down there for like 15 seconds. I'm mm-hmm. like, that ref helping you out, bro. <laughs> right, yeah. Because that- remember, Nate was like, he hit me in the back of the head. I was like, "Nah, son. That was on the ear, bro. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it was on the ear, man. He hit with the overhand right and, and, and got him. And then that second round, man, he came up.
0: Man, The dude hit him with that left, and that was it, man. I was like, oh, my God. He was down there for a minute. Bro, I didn't think he was going to get up. Man, that was scary, you know, because, you know, all jokes aside, you know, because my thing is this, man, you know, the Internet was buzzing after that fight. I mean, there were so many memes that were made with Nate mm. just laying down. I mean, man, but I'll say this, man. That fight should not have been commissioned. I'm sorry, but I got to blame whoever the California commission, whoever those <laughs> people were. This is on y'all because that fight should have never happened, man. It should have never happened.
1: I tell you what, man. I, I give a big shout out to, uh, to kryptonate because I wouldn't have gotten in. Well, well, yeah, but, uh, but for him, if I had his skill, I
0: wouldn't have got up in there. <laughs> well, that's the thing. But if you had Nate's like, you know, cause Nate's an athlete, bro, like professional athlete. I mean, let's very mm-hmm. athletic guy. he should have just had a better training system around him, man. If, if I, if that would have been me and I got money and, and a platform like Nate Robinson, I would have reached out to like Floyd Mayweather's campus and say, Hey man, you got some people that I can work with over there on your team that can get right. me ready for this fight. Right. You know Floyd would have been down for that. Cause I mean, Floyd came to his rescue when he got knocked yep. out and was telling the other, you know, those black athletes in the NBA to stop clowning, them, which I respect it because I'm like, yeah, man, I'm like, half these guys are talking that shit. That same thing would have happened to them too. hmm You know what I mean? It's 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 messed up because uh you
1: know, you know us, Press. We gonna we got your back. <laughs> Until Man, we do <laughs> <laughs> Listen, just take everything, like my like my supervisor told me, take everything like a grain of salt, as a grain of salt. Keep a step up a lip. He said, take everything as a grain of salt. Listen, you went out there, dude. You went out there and you gave you gave, you gave your best. You gave it your best. Now you know what you need to work on. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> so so keep your head up. Listen, hey, it's one of them things. Now the what made it bad, even more worse, was they was talking trash. Yeah, I know. I know. And Nate said he was gonna, he was gonna beat his ass. So that, yeah, uh, that now that's the part that you're gonna have to eat because you go out there, you box, and you lose. Hey man, you know what? Hey, the guy just had a better night. Right. Happens to everybody, except right. for uh, Floyd. So Right. So it's one of them things. But when you know you're talking trash stuff, you lose. Hey, man, it's one of them things, man. You just got to, hey, man, I just got to eat this, man. I lost. I was talking big, big stuff and I lost. And hey, either two things, man. You either train, do a rematch, <laughs> come out better. Oh, oh, damn. <laughs> come out better or just hang it up. Like, hey, I tried it and didn't work out.
0: On something else. On to something else, bro. You rich. Go play some basketball overseas, man. You'll be all right. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. They call boxing the hurt business, don't they, Jules? Ooh, man. It's a hard way to make a living, boy. Anytime that people step into a ring, a lot of people that don't box don't realize this, man. You're risking your fucking life, bro. Your mindset when you go into a boxing ring is you have to be prepared for that. But you also got to be prepared for what you could do to somebody by hitting them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't realize that.
1: What Snoop said, the two things you don't play with, you don't play with boxing, and you don't play with this pimping. So them two things you play. With. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That is awesome. You said you don't play with boxing you don't play with this peppin' baby. Them two things you don't play with. <laughs> it's a serious business. Oh serious business there. Oh
0: my god. He's right. He right. <laughs> he right. <laughs> oh that that's the perfect. That's the perfect segue, man. That was awesome, man. Audience, uh, we wanted to finish up our series that we started last episode on redlining. So in our last episode, we talked to you guys about the historical aspects of redlining, where on today's episode, we're going to talk about more of the modern day practices, mostly when it comes to banking and financial institutions in the ways that they make their lending decisions. One of the things that when Jules and I was talking about doing this episode, we started to think about how are the different ways that we're being affected Who else is being affected by a lot of these decisions? And you know what? We just said, you know what? Let's pull back the curtain on what these banks are doing to us today. And so, what we're going to do now is highlight why mostly white affluent neighborhoods look so different from any inner city neighborhoods in this city. So, I'm going to tell a quick story uh, for the audience and then I'm going to let Jules jump in here. But growing up on the South Side of Chicago for me, and Jules also grew up on the South Side of Chicago. We couldn't help but to run into the city's disparities anytime we left our homes. You know, so I grew up in the Chatham area in the south side. We would have small pockets of quiet blocks. But then within that quiet neighborhood, it was surrounded by neighborhoods that left a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of neighborhoods where there was a lot of shit to would pop off. Right. And mm-hmm. so you have to think about anytime we left our neighborhood to go into any other neighborhood or even to get to school or to go wherever. There was a chance that things could, you know, be kind of fucked up for us. And so that was kind of our life. And so we mentioned on the last episode that a lot of the inner city neighborhoods were left dead in the wake of some of the the practices that were put into place back in the day. And those neighborhoods are still left to rot today. What happened was valuable resources left these communities, For me as a kid, it was really weird when I went to school because my grade school or elementary school was almost maybe like 40 to 50 blocks away from where I live. So whenever my brother and I had to take a bus to and from school, we basically passed projects, project, project, blocks and blocks of projects and, and empty buildings and vacant buildings and lots. And just like destruction. And and you would see, you know, people that are not in their best mind frame, if if you guys know what I mean. Mm. So there was a lot of mental warfare that was being played on us as young kids that was just trying to get to school. And so a lot of times people don't understand that for young black kids, by the time they even get to school, you don't even know what they've been exposed to. You don't know their life. You don't even know what's been going on in their household. So there's all type of different dynamics that are at play here. And a lot of times these teachers aren't prepared for what the hell they're going to face when they deal with these children. Because uh, Jules can tell you guys, I wasn't the the best uh, student for a teacher to have to deal with because I had a very uh, independent streak. I wasn't really trying to hear what nobody had to say to me. It it was just, I was a different sort. And a lot of that was just based off the, the things that I encountered as a youth and also the way that I was brought up. And so a lot of times people just don't really understand the kids and kind of what they go through. And that's kind of like what we want to talk about a lot of this stuff with this episode, because there's a lot of conditions that are basically created. And then these things basically are passed down and instilled in people. And until people break these cycles, that's just how these situations will be.
1: Man, you know what, when you was, when you was describing all of that prayers, I was going back to getting up in mornings and going to school and stuff and reliving and walking through those neighborhoods. And, and let's be honest, people, if you're not, you don't know anything about you know, saying the uh, the hood and anything like that. You have to be educated. You have to be street smart because certain areas belong to a certain type of group, a uh, gang rather. And if you just happen to be wearing some type of clothing, or you you wear some type of hat or a logo, remember, uh, Prez, you wear them starter coats. Oh yeah, shit! If you had, if you wore
0: the Houston Astros, uh, yeah, hat with the with that uh, the star broken star.
1: Ooh-wee. Yep, wee. You just mind your business, just walking and stuff, and, and, you know. But those are some of the conditions that a lot of us that grew up in, in these neighborhoods. They'd be like, Shawty, fix your hat. You'd
0: be like, oh, I didn't even realize my shit was uh, right. messed up. <laughs> All right.
1: I remember I had one cat. I was walking to the store, and he asked me, was I part of this gang? and stuff?" I said, no. He said, yeah, what? Well, your hat was broke off a little bit to the to the left. I said, oh, no, man. Hey, man, good looking out. Because, no, you know, he saw it. I wasn't, I'm just going to the store, buy some candy or something. But, you know... These are some of the uh, uh, elements and stuff that we go through and stuff coming up, raising up in the hoods. And, and in order to to get out and go, let's say we had to go, we had to take the bus, public transportation, go to school. Because first, my parents put me in in public school, but they realized, knew no, I wasn't not, no, not to the that public school at the time, but they wanted it better. You know what, right. what I'm saying? Right. Not saying right. that. Rightfully so. You know, not saying that public schools are, are bad or you not get a good quality education. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to, you know, go into that.
0: But they want it better. You know what, Jules? I'll say it for you. Okay. <laughs> His okay. parents did not want him in that public school system. And thank God that they took him out of that system. Because yeah, that's another it. issue that goes on in this country, especially in Chicago, where they've made education so elitist that the people that don't have, don't have access to quality education and the people that have their kids are the ones that are considered the gifted. So go ahead, man. You know I just- what?
1: Hey, you know what, press? That's, that's another topic, man. <laughs> Dude, we just hit on something. Yeah. That's another topic. I, I Future episode there. alert. Yeah. I ain't want to go there, but man, hey, bro. Hey, I appreciate you for it, man. I appreciate it. So, you know, so, but by getting there, by getting out and going to a better high school and stuff like that, uh, grade school or high school and stuff. I would have to go, you know, go out the uh, neighborhood. But while going out, there's different different traps. I like to call them. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You got cats hanging out on the corner. You got you know people doing you know, drugs and this and that and gangs and stuff. So it was a hurdle to get through these things. And like like prayers, like you were saying earlier, you don't know what uh, another person, a teacher or a principal, don't know what you've been through just trying to get there. Right. And your your minds that stay. Where it was at and stuff. So this is a a good topic here to talk about because, you know, I did a little little research and found out as far as the disparity with the white and Black neighborhoods and Hispanics and stuff like that, you know, according to WBZ, 91.5 Chicago, they found out that 68% of the dollars that being loaned for housing purchases went to majority of the white neighborhoods. Now, just think about 68.1%. While, far as blacks get loan 8.1%. but check this out in the Hispanic neighborhood, eight point seven. So the Hispanic neighborhood just got a little, just a little, just a little uh, higher of a uh, of loan far as far as in, in the black community. I thought that was real
0: interesting yeah I mean for me and, and yeah that's that's a really key stat and that's definitely something um, as we progress through the episode, I think that's something we should definitely touch back on because that is a nugget right there that Jules gave you guys that i I want you guys to ponder because um on this episode, what we are talking about here is the effects of what these biased lending practices of these institutions what it causes and it causes conditions like what we and what Jules and I both talked about. Our community is being basically broken. Our schools being broken, not having resources within our community, right? And then basically having a tale of two cities. and I've had a lot of people over the years that I've worked with that have come to Chicago to visit people that I went to college with that didn't live in this state that will come visit, and they would say, "Man, dude, I like Chicago, but Chicago feels a little segregated, And you know, when you were in it when you were younger, it was just, you was you were conditioned to it, so you were kind of used mm-hmm. to it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But then, as now I've gotten older, you could kind of like take a step back and you'd be like, dude, like this shit is kind of segregated, right? It is, and right. One thing I was going to tell you, Jules, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I remember, man, growing up and I would often wonder to myself like, man, why are things different? Why is it that when we would drive out to a different neighborhood, you would look and you'd be like, man, everything's a certain way. You know, everything seemed to be like very different. Like when we would go downtown, for instance, like the, the rare occasions that we did. And I'm like, man, it's a totally different world over here as opposed to now I got to drive back through the loop. I got to go through the south side to get back to my Chatham area. And as I told you, listeners, there were a lot of traps to get back to our little quiet mm-hmm. little nook. Right. Mm-hmm. But there was a major disparity between what I saw on the other side versus the life that I saw. And I often wondered, man, why is things so different? That's something that kind of played in my head a lot as I was growing up, right? Then I we went to high school where me and Jules, you know, met. And then we mm-hmm. also saw how that played out with a lot of our classmates. It was a difference, right? While we were all still fortunate enough to all go to the same school, we went to private school, but their lives were totally different than the lives that we had. And that kind of played out over those four years, right? hmm and so for me, it was just interesting when I when I looked back at that because I would even ask like my mom and my grandma I'd be like, hey, man, why is this stuff different? And a lot of times, man, they would give you some empty ass response because I don't even think they really knew or even understood even how to even answer that question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one story I'm gonna tell before I'm gonna let Jules get into some of the nuts and bolts of this thing, I want to tell a personal story about the first time that I bought a home. I was 25. At the time I was living um, on the south side, Jules, You remember I was on the low ends, uh, but you know I was able to like stack up a lot of cheese. You know I uh, I was only 15 minutes away from work because I worked downtown at the Board of Trade at the time. Life was good, man, because I had access to everything I needed. Right, I had a car, so if if, if the things weren't in that neighborhood, which they really weren't, well, I could drive. Five or 10 minutes to a different neighborhood, get what I needed. But the biggest thing for me was that convenience to get into and from work, right? Being mm-hmm. able to have access to the loop. Mm-hmm. Also, being able to look outside of my window and having to view the whole entire Chicago skyline. That was the dopest thing to me. So I said to myself, you know what? I'm tired of renting. I'm tired of basically throwing money away. Cause that's kind of even at a younger age, I, I realized like, no, no disrespect to people that have to rent. But I just always saw like, you know what? I want to own something. So I started to work with realtors. And I said, hey, here are the areas that I want to look at. Every area that I wanted to look at was within that area where I was staying, because I loved that commute, right, Jules? And Mm -hmm. I just loved that it was central to like my family. I had pretty much pockets of family all over, so I didn't have to go out far. Real convenient for you. It was real convenient. However, Mm -hmm. I ran into an issue with the banks. And so what happened was I noticed was that I couldn't get Approved for a loan in the areas where I wanted to move, so I found this really nice, uh, really nice unit in Bronzeville. Tall ceilings, man. Like, even had a room like where you could have like renovated and converted for maybe you know another apartment, man. Where you could have rented it out. I mean, just a oh, big nice. ass space, right? Nice. But guess what? Because the banks deemed that that property was gonna need you know additional work done on it, they basically told me, hey, you know what? It's not gonna appraise for anything close to what uh, you're going to need to borrow. I was just out of luck, right? More of the story is I had bought my first house 45 minutes away from where I worked. I moved out to the suburbs, right? So now that story I want you guys to realize is at that point in my life, all I wanted was to live in a place in my community, a place that was convenient for me to get to or from work. And I wanted to reinvest in my community, but the banks made it very difficult for me to be able to do so because they devalued the property that, that I was interested in. Right, so much so that they were like, "Hey, you know what? If you could come with hundred thousand dollars, we will finance you." I'm twenty five years old, sir. No, I don't have twenty five a hundred thousand dollars. You know, like
1: you said that, like it was like, "Oh, okay, let me run to the bank right quick."
0: Yeah, yeah. Let me go. Wow. Let me go into. The, let me go into the mattress. I'll be yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. That's why we're doing this episode, because I want people to kind of understand these are the situations that are real that happen. They happen to me directly, and they're still happening to people today. So when Jules brought up that stat, that's a key stat for you guys to think. And he said 68% of lending dollars, they're going to white communities. It's going to those white affluent communities. And so I'm going to let Jules pick it up from here. But I just wanted our audience to just kind of hear that personal antidote from me, because that was my first experience with buying and home ownership. And I had to move to the suburbs. And Jules, he'll tell you, I was way out there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, hey you, you was way out there, man. I I, I hardly ain't, ain't come over there, man.
0: No, but but when I was in the city, man, gee, Jules, man I saw Jules oh, yeah. all the time. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, man. But, you know, that's it. That's a crazy story, and if it happened to you, how many other people have it happened to?
0: And still happened to.
1: And still, right, right, you know. So with those stats I had brought up, that's 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 huge, a big huge disparity, you know. So they pretty much talking about every dollar that's loaned to a Chicago white neighborhood, the banks invest just twelve cents to black neighborhoods and thirteen cents to Latino, the Latin community. That's just man. Is it because of? Are we talking about race, or because of, of conditioning? And and there's is there is there money in this
0: in this neighborhood to 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 get? Well, so to answer your question, look at Cabrera Green and look mm-hmm. at what happened in the South Loop. Mm-hmm. So what happened was is they drove down the value of those properties. Outside investors come in and they buy this stuff up in cash, and then they basically they then push out the people that live there, right? Oh yeah, it's, they run them out. They mm-hmm. run them out. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little later in the episode, the effects of the gentrification, because that's exactly what happens. Because then they outprice the current residents. And then those people get dispersed and pushed wherever the fuck, you know, they don't give a shit. They just like want you here because they want to take this community. That's why Jules and I talked about on our previous episodes of how we as a people, we got to like see what's going on, see this game plan, and get smart and say, you know what? Instead of letting some outside influence come in and buy up my community. Why don't I buy it? Why don't I reinvest in my community, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what more of us need to do. Because what we're seeing is Cabrina Green now is River North. And Jules brought that up River on the previous no- episode. Man. It's one of the richest areas in this city.
1: So who would figure? Like I said, I had people. I had uh, relatives that stayed there. Now you go there, it's completely different.
0: And wh- where did your relatives move after they got pushed out of the area?
1: They're, you know what? Some of them went to, uh, they was in the suburbs. Some of them got moved to the suburbs. I- so I-
0: you, guys, you guys
1: hear that? Yeah, they, they're in the suburbs. Well, it's slowly, you know, it's slowly happening. At one point, we was all in in the city and stuff, as far as African-Americans, deep, populated in the city and stuff. You're pretty much your whites and stuff in the north side and also suburbs. Now it's, it's, it's moving where, hey, whites are starting to come back, invested more back into the city and we're getting pushed out in the suburbs. Now in the suburbs, now if you live out there, you know, I got a brother and stuff out there in University Park and all that stuff. It's it's a hike. Yeah, he's out there where my mom's at. Man. It's a hike for real. It ain't no, hey, I'll be there in a few minutes. I'll be no. in there for a couple hours. I ain't, I ain't gonna lie. It's it's nice out there, uh, beautiful homes and stuff like that. But it's just away from everything. Like you like we was talking earlier about far as public transportation, just in case you have to get to your job and stuff. If your car breaks down out there, how you
0: getting to work? That's the thing, because they got a pace bus that runs once an hour out there, but you still got to get to the metro station. Right. Because that's how I used to get to and from work when I lived out there. And that metro was an hour. Man. So it's really convenient. You know what I'm saying? It's just tough, man, when you think yeah. about it. And so this is the thing. So as Jules mentioned, he talked about how that money is going into some of these more affluent areas. Mm-hmm. So let's just think about some of these areas that are getting this influx in, 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 in money. You got Lincoln Park. Uh, You get in Lakeview areas. uh, You get in Westtown. These are all areas where we're seeing that the investments are going um, and they're pushing and trying to reinvest and redevelop these areas. These are areas that a lot of us, we're not living there because these areas are so high priced, you know? And the one thing, too, to think about, so what Jules was bringing up is talking about those 68% of individuals that are getting that money. All that basically is showing you is that while we talked on the last episode about how redlining was a historical type of past situation, but if you listen to what he said there on this episode, it's really showing you that this redlining is still a condition that goes on today. Now, before and back in the day, I think it was more of a discrimination. It was outright discrimination. Mm-hmm. What I think it is now, I don't think that it's overt discrimination or anything like that. What I think it is now is a situation of social class. I think what it is now is that they just have it in their mind program that certain people need to live in certain neighborhoods. Right. Mm -hmm. And if certain people go to X neighborhood, then we're going to make it awfully hard to scrutinize the hell out of you getting into a specific area. And I think that that's just something that for people to think about when it comes to this kind of stuff.
1: No, you you exactly hit it. You hit that you hit that nail right square in the head, man. Because now, like you said, back in the days, was more of you know saying, we definitely segregating this thing. You ain't moving. You ain't even walking in this neighborhood. Now, it's more of yeah, status symbol. Uh, uh, symbol. The rich stay in the rich neighborhood. Poor stay in the poor neighborhood. Middle class, yeah. middle class neighborhood. Or some could go either or. Rich. Or poor, it depends on your finances and what you bringing in. Now, nowadays, you need we have a two two person household, both people
0: working just to get you know be living comfortable. And that's a a scary thing for most middle class people because especially during these times, if one person loses that job, there's a lot of households that are fucked.
1: I got a partner, man. He stayed up north, and you know he tell me the mortgage and stuff. I'm like, my God, you know that's just. You know, I like to pay for peace of mind, but man, I ain't selling my soul. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm good on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 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 the thing is, there are plenty of areas and neighborhoods and stuff like that in the uh, in in the hood and stuff like that are that are good, and you got good uh your good uh, homes and communities and stuff like that. You know, investment is the key. People coming in and investing, people who actually who who pay for their homes and and mortgages and stuff like that. Putting in, taking care of the community and stuff like that. That's why. That's what you build a good community. That's how you build a good community. People working like the uh, block I'm on. Everybody work. Everybody keep their uh, community, their lawns and houses together and stuff like that. Everybody talk and knowing each other like it was back in the day. We man, we used to press. We
0: used to coming up. We knew everybody on the block. Yeah, we knew everybody. Their families yeah. knew our families. I, yeah, you know what. Funny story, and I, I know I probably got a lot of stories for this podcast <laughs> list, so I apologize. But I remember one time when me and my brother, uh, there was a situation where um, I misplaced my key. So I was always responsible for the key or whatever. I don't know why my mom did that for me of all people. But anyway, so this case, this day in particular, I misplaced my key. And so now you think about it today's times. Me and my brother, there's just been two idiot kids that have just been sitting outside waiting to be let into the house, right? Mm-hmm. But because people knew us, and they knew our family, our across-the-street neighbor saw us, and they were like, hey, guys, come on over here. I think your grandmother, she went XYZ place. You guys can do your homework. This neighbor made us something to eat. We're doing our homework. We're chilling. My grandma comes back. We go back to the house. That's another difference of our community, how we used to help mm-hmm. each other, and we used to be there for each other. That doesn't happen today.
1: No, no. That's what we need to come back. And with all of that, you know what I'm saying? It's relevance and, and correlating and stuff like that because if you have people that come in and invest in these neighbors, you have people, you have families that come in and buy these homes and you're working people and stuff. Working people want their property updated and kept and clean and stuff like that. And they invest and they care. Not only do they care about the family, they care about their homes, they care about the community, they care about their neighbors. And that's what that's how you build a strong community. That's how all that collates, or it correlates with far as these homes and disparities of whites and blacks and Hispanics and stuff like that, because now you're getting investment in, in these white neighborhoods where you're leaving, you disinvesting on um, with the black and, the, and the Hispanic neighborhoods. So what are they going to look like? They look like what you see now. And it's, uh, it's amazing that in Chicago, I can travel all over this, all over the United States. And when I see shadiness and stuff like that, well, guess who else I see? I see Blacks, and I see Hispanics. When I see these, these, these disinvestment neighborhoods, you know, the place I go outside of Chicago, this, I see the same thing, and that's messed up. And that's why we bring uh, you know, why we're talking about this in, on this pod. You know, because you had brought up, uh, yeah, your Chatham neighborhood, press where you come up from. You know, Chase Bank have two branches in that child neighborhood. The total of 80 million bucks from 2012 to 2018, that bank only made 23 home purchases, loans, from 2012 to 2018, so that's like three loans per year, in a in this middle class black neighborhood. But in Lincoln Park area, they lend over 980 uh, 80 million, which you were just saying how in that place, that place. I mean, it's beautiful, it's nice. I wouldn't live there because hell, it's too damn expensive and stuff like that, and it's overpopulated. I wouldn't go there. But you know, you got people that like that stuff. But but it's just the money that's going that's being invested in these neighborhoods is just way too much. 980 million. And then the Blacks, $80 million? I mean, we need to, it, it had to be
0: equal. It had to be balanced and stuff like that. The one thing that I'll say, because I definitely, you definitely gave a lot of information. I wanted to just kind of break it down just real quick for people. So when Jules mentioned that, that Chase Bank uh, in Chatham, um, they had those two branches that, now think about this. These are branches that are in the Black community, right? Mm-hmm. $80 million in deposits of our money. Mm-hmm. But they would only give us 23 mortgages within that seven year period, right? Mm-hmm. So, as he mentioned, that's roughly three loans per year in this middle class black neighborhood, right? One thing that Chase did, which I just kind of felt like it might have just been like, kind of like some, oh, here, take this bone and, and shut the fuck up kind of thing. What they they pledged to invest $40 million in 2017 to promote economic opportunity on the South side and the West side of the city. Right. Okay. But this is my thing. Y'all wouldn't have had to do that if you were just loaning the money out to people that are basically depositing money into your banks. So think about this for a second. If they would have basically given out loans in the black community, similar to what they gave out to those white communities that we talked about in in Lakeview and Lincoln park, That would have been an additional $829 million in each of those years for Chicago's black neighborhoods. So I'm just getting ready to just, I'm just gonna really just go in real quick. Okay. Now, Jules mentioned about the fact that when he sees certain things happen in this community, he sees who the culprits are. But we also have to like pull back the curtain a little bit and look at why those things are the way they are. So when you disinvest in an area, you strip that area of its resources. You put these people in situations where they feel like they're less than. So then they're going to they're gonna basically act like they're less than because these people have no sense of who they are. So I talked about the story about when we were coming up, when the neighborhoods had pride, when they had value. But now we see that over time, these neighborhoods, these individuals that had these homes, they're dying off. The neighborhoods that they basically had these homes in, these homes are just sitting either on the market, they're foreclosing, or these homes are in basically a declining shape where somebody needs to come in and remodel and rehab those homes. So now in our communities, we have these homes that are just sitting there. We have communities that don't work together. Why is that? Because it's that crab in the barrel mentality where Mm -hmm. if one person gets out, they want to try to drag you and pull them back. That's not the way that this system was designed. Jules and I talked about on this podcast the resiliency of our people in our earlier times. But what happens is, though, is over time we've seen that resiliency be stripped away. And that's what we're dealing with today. When we look at the tale of these two cities in Chicago, you got one tail of people that are doing the damn thing, and you got another tale of people that just for whatever reason, everything's been taken. But then It's a problem when they want to basically bring these things to attention. They want to basically bring light to these situations. Jules and I have mentioned, we are not asking for any sort of special anything. What we're asking for is the same fucking opportunities that are basically being given to these other communities. If individuals have the credit worthiness, as I mentioned on the last episode, and if they have the income level, there's no reason why we can't qualify for loans. There's no reason at the age of 25 when I had a credit score of 800, when I had a couple thousand dollars in the bank, enough money to put down a deposit on this property, why I was basically forced to have to move all the way out to the boonies. There's no reason that that should have happened. And that's the kind of stuff that happens. People are being forced to move to areas that are inconvenient, right? While other individuals then have the resources to now come in and swoop in and basically take over these communities. That's what I wanted people to think about.
1: I don't have anything for coming on that, man. That's, that right there is just, it is what it is right there. All yeah, we ask for... All
0: I, all I could do is speak the facts, man. That's all.
1: <laughs> like you said, all we, you, what you want, what I want, the same thing. All we ask for, just opportunity. Just yep. equality. That's, that's And it shouldn't be much to ask for, but we still asking. So maybe, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. Prez, is it because... The neighborhoods are, are
0: are not as markable. Hear me out. The Cabrini Green area, right? You had your uh, your family. You said some mm-hmm. people used to live up in there, right? So that area, anything that touches the water, anything that touches the loop, you got to think about that. That's valuable land. And so that was something that they coveted. So in order to be able to get that, you got to push people out. Think about the South Loop. There's areas mm-hmm. along the South Shore line that touch the lake. That now we're starting to see people are trying to come in and basically buy up. So, what I see is the areas that are vibrant is what they want. Well, let me ask you this or what is it? Is it credit score? No, because think about this you know, where I'm going, but I, I know where I'm you're just going. Listening. Okay, but hear me out. Cause I got, I got something else that I, I basically saw. <laughs> so did you know that Ernie Banks, uh, Mr. Cub, Mr. Cub. Okay. He, he used to live on 82nd and, and roads long, long time ago. Right. So I've been mean, sure the house since he sold it has had multiple owners, but you got to think about it. This is a home that has like prestige to it. It should damn there be a landmark. Right. So okay, right, I read a story where the owner of that property, uh, was looking to sell the property and there was an investor, a, a black woman, she wanted to come in because she wanted to start building up some of the properties over there and basically, you know, try to fix the neighborhood up. So what happened was her and her husband, both are basically entrepreneurs, cr- strong credit scores, money in the bank, the whole nine. They went to the bank to get a loan to buy Ernie Banks's old property.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They, they agreed to buy the place for $160,000 from the, uh, the seller. Well, the bank went back and said, uh, we're not going to approve this loan because there's ninety dollars to $100,000 of work needs to be done at this property. And so we only value this house at $90,000. So if you go back and talk to that seller and basically get them to agree to basically do this sale for $90,000 as opposed mm-hmm. to the one sixty, dollars then we'll give you the loan. So this lady wow. says, so my only choices are, is to cheat somebody out of $70,000 in equity out of their home that they basically worked their butts off into basically earning mm-hmm. for themselves, or you're just not going to give me the loan. Or the other option is now I have to go and get funding, or I have to go find a loan, or I have to borrow out of my savings. So you know what this individual did? They had to end up mm-hmm. basically borrowing off of their life savings to come up with the difference because they didn't want to cheat the uh, that seller. Oh, wow. And then the bank loaned them the money. So then they were able to buy Ernie Banks' house. And our listeners, if you want to look this up, 82nd and Rhodes is the house, and so you'll see the work that they've been putting into this house to build it back up. But they had to go through all those hoops and hurdles to be able to buy this property. And this is not the only story like this, because I know people that are realtors that exit a uh, realty strategy here in Chicago, and they'll tell stories about how they've had 30 to 50% of their deals on the south side, mm-hmm basically die because of the same situation where whatever de- whatever dollar amount they would agree upon, they go to these lending institutions and the lender would say, we're not approving it at that level. And it's mm-hmm. all because they devalue these properties. And I want our listeners to understand why is it that they're only doing that in certain neighborhoods? Dude, you took the question.
1: I, I'll just say, why is that? <laughs> you took the question. Why, you know right. what I'm saying? Why is that? Because here's the thing. You're going to get your money back. Yeah. I mean, because if you look at it, you okay? A hundred? Uh, what was that house going for, Mr. Council House? One sixty. Okay, you got to put a hundred. What is it? About a hundred thousand dollars worth of work into it. Yeah. Okay, that's two hundred six thousand dollars. If they're willing, and, and I'm pretty sure they going they might get a, a a loan to to fix the house up.
0: It's all going back to you. So, well, you think that the people ain't good for it? Well, and that's the thing too, because like, and that was to your point when you asked about the credit score and all these different factors. And even from my own personal situation, these factors don't matter (laughs) because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of us out there that have the credit score and this and that, and they're still denying us. And so we have to look at it for what it is. Also, one other thing that I want our audience to think about, Ernie Banks had that home on the South side that he used to own is a 3,500 square foot property, which is pretty big for a, a pretty big property. Three bedrooms. Now, if you look at that same property and if it was let's just say 4,000 north, it doesn't fucking matter, just somewhere up there. Right. That's a $1.3 million oh, property.
1: Dude, you ain't kidding. <laughs> Big difference. Big difference. Some of the homes on the north side, you look at it like, oh man, it's nice going for millions. And you sit up there, you give you put this back over in the hood. You, hey, <laughs> this is a hundred thousand dollar house mm-hmm. because of the, you know, because of the location. Right. Location, location. That's what they always tell you, right?
0: Until they take that location. Until to they, right. <laughs> right. Until they take it. Oh, you know what? This is a good, this is a good spot over here. Yeah. Good. I like this. Huh. That's I why what when we I was do coming, over here. <laughs> right.
1: And when I, when I went, when I was coming up, I grew you know what I'm saying? Grew up, born and raised in Inglewood and stuff. And we always used to walk to the Halsted mall, uh, Halsted street store. And, um, just, Whole bunch of stuff. I know you remember prayers, man. You just go there, you make your deals and stuff like that. Just number shops. You buy your shoes, clothes, and stuff like that. Man, all that's gone. You got yep. the Kenny, you got the school over there. Man, you got Whole Foods, Cachapoli. They built up over there. Make it real nice. You know what I'm saying? You know,
0: Inkwood is up and coming. Give it, man, give it five to more years. Well, and that's that's why I told you on uh, probably the opening episode I said that that's an area where I'm looking at where I want to make some moves because I do agree with you. Um, and one thing that I want to look at is even if it's one project at a time, and it takes me a couple years, I want to basically be a part of that solution because mm-hmm. I don't want to just be the guy that's sitting over here. This community, this all the, the trouble happens over here because I'm like, look, I could be the solution, and I could come in and try to figure something out and build up because. I guarantee you that once people have a sense of ownership and pride, mm-hmm. you'll see that resiliency return, you know, mm-hmm. because what's the common denominator between the way you and I grew up versus the way some of these kids are growing up now? We grew up in a household where our families own their homes. These neighborhood, the neighbors own their properties. Right. So there was that sense of community. There was a sense of pride in that community and everyone looked out after each other because that's what a neighborhood is, because right. now When you strip all of that away from people, everybody's out for themselves. Nobody cares about the community. These people don't own the community, so how are Mm -hmm. they going to care about it? They don't.
1: There's no investment in it. It was given, you know, Section Eight, or somebody left them. We ain't even talk about, you know, they inherit the home from a family member, big mom or a big or granddaddy or whatever the case may be, and they didn't. It it was given to them, so there was no 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 heart into it, and no. No, hey, this is mines and it's, you know, you, you know, you're proud and you and you're humble and stuff about it. And you didn't take care of it. And either you go the banks either go and foreclose or you get run down or you end up leaving for some reason, and stuff like that. And there go this property sitting. It's on a foreclose. It's been abandoned. And we know what happened when houses in the hood be abandoned. Cats go up in there, strip the copper out, take appliances. It'd be used as a trap house, dope house. The house, you know, take, you know, unfortunate stuff happen. Girls, you don't know, say get snatched, raped and stuff
0: in there. I mean, this is real stuff that's going on in these communities when you have abandoned houses. Yeah, and I think about it is, though, that's one part of it as well. I'm also looking at the part of it, too, where these effects of these lending practices, not only with the crime, but you got to look at the education. You got to look at the, mm-hmm. the resources. You got to look at the pride. You got to look at yeah. all these different factors. But think about it the wealth. The wealth is not being passed down. So look at our counterparts. If they have someone in their family that unfortunately may pass along, right? Well, that person is probably going to leave something behind for them, right? Mm -hmm. That will then help that person to then move themselves up into life, right? And, And be able to position themselves better. Well, when we have these situations where we're not even able to own homes, then where are we passing anything down to the next generation? Where are those assets being passed down to? There are none to be passed down. And I'll just tell you personally, I've never inherited a cent from anyone. When people in my family have passed on, we've been fortunate and lucky to be able to bury that person. So for me, it's going to be on my back and my shoulders to make sure that I'm able to pass something down to the next Mm -hmm. generations. And that's a challenge that I don't take lightly. There you go. And more of us need to step up to that plate.
1: Dude, I was just about to say that, man. We all need to start doing it. We don't got to repeat this cycle. You know what I'm saying? We don't got to repeat it. We can break it now. But, you know what I'm saying? We got to be willing to put in the work and say, you know what? I'm not going to live like this anymore. And I'm not going to leave this world and not with with what they call old money. Leave old money behind and stuff to help. What you're doing, you're helping your, 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 your generation. You're helping your seed, your family. To 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 better when 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 you listen, we ain't living forever. We can't take this stuff with us. Right. So if we get so we move into a house and we pay the house off, you know what? It is ours. Yeah. And we, you know what? The next person, you know what? This is yours to take and take care of. So you can raise your family and then some, and and, and the next and the next generation, the next generation.
0: Yeah, and and to have pride in that. Um, yeah, I'll say this too. When I think about. The banks and how they view properties in the inner city that need to be fixed up. Um, I almost feel like instead of these banks throwing money at a problem, because you never can fix a problem by throwing money at it, you actually have to get to the root of the problem, right? I think there's not enough people in this world that are willing to actually put in work to actually figure out solutions. But I think what you have to look at is if you guys are basically trying to hide behind Basically, oh, well, the home doesn't have equity. The home only appraises for this much. Then I thought about this, Jules, and I thought about like my situation in the past, and I thought about like all this shit that's going on. And I said, you know what? If they have this issue with with homes in the Black community, if they really cared to fix things, right? If a home goes below a certain value, then how come they can't put in place some sort of equity insurance on a property? So that way it ensures these situations where if you and I were to go into a business deal together and I say, hey, Jules, I want to buy this property for $100,000, even though I know that mm-hmm. it's going to need some work done to it, the banks, did not going to turn around and say, well, Mr. Customer, if you want this, you're going to have to go back to Jules and tell him to give you $30,000. No, but if the banks really wanted to help, why don't you have some sort of an insurance or an escrow account where you guys are covering that balance? If you really cared about helping. So instead of pledging nah, your $40 million, but hold on, hear me out, though. Instead of pledging your $40 okay. million, dollars, do something like that, because that really shows a commitment to fixing the problems and not you just throwing a, a Band-Aid on something. We need surgeries. You can't put a Band-Aid mm-hmm. on somebody that needs open-heart mm-hmm. surgery.
1: Ooh, wow. You know, Michael May said, if you stab, a, if you stab me in the back and only pull the blade out a couple inches, well, you still get that knife in the back. He's the only way to heal this. You got to take the knife out, address the wound, uh, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and fix it. And then we can move forward. But if that knife is still in their back, well, you still you still in the same condition with these banks not offering the help with that, you know what I'm saying, let's say we'll sell it as is or whatever. No, the, you know what I'm saying? No, because why? They didn't do it to make money. They, all, all they want to do is make money. They ain't going to make no money that way. But if you care, you would say, you know what? I can sacrifice a few dollars. We're oh. multi million dollar, uh, uh, bank, right? You Shit, can sacrifice billion, a few billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can sacrifice a few few duckies, right? So their heart, you know, first of all, their heart is not in it. Like no, you said, somebody they, can just they, they, somebody just throw you money. Oh, here you go. Here's some money, so you could. But that's not like you said. That's not addressing anything. You ain't fixing nothing that way. No, you never. First of problem all, that way. Right. First of all, wanna where that damn money going? No. And that's the, prob- that's the problem that's the problem because you could you could talk
0: about you pledging all day long. fuck your pledge. Here's the situation. These people, these one hundred and fifty people in this community want to basically reinvest in their community. Here's the program. These people want to buy this property within their community. Whatever the equity situation may be, it doesn't matter. You cover that fucking gap and we keep it moving. Mm-hmm. that's that's the the pledge because to your point, your $40 million pledge uh, chase that you did in 2017, where the hell did that money go? Right. I ain't seen nothing. I ain't heard nothing about this shit. Talk is right. cheap. Right. So
1: exactly what your point is, hey, listen, instead of okay, we give him money, just hey, you know what? Why don't we just say, you know, take it as is. If the if Ernie Bank's uh house was 160, okay, it's 160. We ain't gonna go, you know what, tell the seller you can drop it down to 90.
0: Oh. Right. Or make you go into your life savings oh, yeah. to cover the gap. Yeah. Which is what happened.
1: Yeah. And then you ain't nothing, to, you're setting yourself back. You putting yourself more, more of a hole. That's yeah. your life savings. Yep. All this is it insidious? Is this a plot just to keep people down? Don't get ahead. Just take more money out of people who 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 work and bust their ass so hard to get money's not easy to, 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 to get. You know what I'm saying? No. You gotta work, you know what I'm saying, to save everything is high as it is. Inflation, man. This stuff is just gonna keep getting even higher. Property taxes, school, hospitals, food, gas. You know what I'm saying? Miscellaneous stuff. Everything costs. Everything's expensive. And then for for you to to to, to get into a home to say, you know what? Can you come with a hundred thousand like that guy told you? Can you come with a hundred thousand? Hundred thousand dollars?
0: Right. I'm twenty five years. I'm twenty five years old, sir. <laughs> who, who, you, who you think I am? Michael Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> what, what? You know, you know. That, but I'll say this, man, Jules. In the past, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, it was just flat out discrimination. I think what the problems are today, they're more systemic. I think what it is is that these mortgage companies—they don't even realize. I think when they have, they hide behind these different laws and these different things. They don't realize that this that their policies that they have in place to ensure that they make money, they don't realize that those policies. Are still rooted so much in racism that it still affects us more than it affects other people.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I got you. I get and
0: also, think about the gentrification, right? So now we talk about situations where we have these neighborhoods where, let's just say, you and I, we live in an, an area that's kind of undervalued. Now we're starting to see people that are trying to come in and they're trying to basically reinvest in the area, but they don't look like you and I. Well, that's not necessarily an issue, but however, what we talked about earlier in this episode of the social class, the social class. So now you have things that tensions are now being basically brewed in these communities where you have a low-income resident that basically is living in the community with someone that may be middle to upper class, right? So this middle to upper class person has now updated, renovated their property, and now you have a have-not that's over here, and it's just a different philosophy, right? These two people Mm -hmm. don't see eye to eye. They're never going to see eye to eye because they don't understand each other. And what happens is in these situations is the low-income resident ends up getting pushed out. So Mm -hmm. that person is the one that has dealt with all of the adversity of that neighborhood, but they don't get to see any of the value and the fruits of the improvements that come from gentrification in these neighborhoods. And we see gentrification not just when it comes to whites moving into these Black neighborhoods. We see gentrification coming in from middle to upper class African-American people that come into these neighborhoods that also kind of have that same ide- ideology where they look at the people that are lower class or you know low uh, income and they're like, I don't want this person living in my community mm-hmm. And that's that social class is one of the bigger issues that we need to address altogether because maybe understand people's situations of where they are because not everybody just because they don't make as much money as you make, that doesn't make them a bad person. True. True. You know, because growing up, my mom didn't have a lot. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, that you can't find too many people that are as nice and as kind as she is. In fact, a lot of times I don't even understand how I even came from her because a lot of the things that she is, I am not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what she's going to teach, keep living.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You'll you, keep living. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. But yeah, but you, but you get my point on that. And so yeah. it's just like uh-huh. we can't just look at somebody because they don't have and no. just assume that they're a bad person. No, no, that's why we go
1: to the old saying man, just you know, treat people how you want to be treated. All this is just this, this cause division. This, right. You know, the status symbols and, and 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 stuff like that. Far as the gentrification and stuff like that, less people, you know, say your 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 people in these neighborhoods and stuff who being pushed out, so people can come in and invest and build up and and skyrocket these 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 properties where you can't even come over here and own it, but you once lived over here and you're right. like, dude, how come you just can't invest with us in here? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Why, why do we have to leave? Oh, yeah. because we well, oh wait, because we can't afford it. Like I say, it's all about making money, man.
0: Yeah, because now you're getting ready to push me up out of here. Right. And you're gonna and, you, and you're gonna make me move to University Park. You make
1: you right, make you move out. See, that's what I'm saying. It's all it's, it's all insidious, man. It's all a all the play, all the plot. There's yeah. these masterminds, there's this puppet master behind the scenes pulling all these strings. This is what we're gonna do. Like I said last time, if you if you ain't sitting at that table, you're on the menu now. So this is what's going on. And if you're not in means to stay in this neighborhood and stuff, you're going to be ass out. So that's why it's important that that what we're doing right now is putting this to the forefront and, and try to educate people like, hey, you know what? We need to invest. We need to own our homes and stuff like that and own our communities and take our communities
0: back. You know what I'm saying? So This is this is a hell of an episode and I'll tell you uh, one thing. Um, if we just get one person that listens to what we're saying and just understand that there's a lot of people out here that don't have the privilege of others, right? Understand your privilege because Jules and I, we have our own privilege, right? And we're cognizant of that privilege. However, we also know that we have many things that are basically held against us that we've had to overcome. Just think about the stories that we said about us just going to school. There's some of you, your life was basically, you went up and you went to school and school was cool, right? Mm -hmm. Your class, you had no worries. Well, guess what? some of us had to worry about what was going to happen when we tried to get home from school. Man. So, man. Go ahead, I'm man. telling you. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is a conversation that a lot of people aren't ready for, but we're going to continue to keep having episodes like this on this podcast because these are the things that people need to understand and know. And you're hearing this from Black voices. Jules and I, we come from the struggle. We know what that struggle is, but here we are now. We're trying to empower other people to do better, to do more. Damn it, he and I are going to do better. And that starts with conversations like this. So I thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. Jules, this was a great one, brother. I appreciate you going to hit him with that curtain call, bruh. You know,
1: this curtain call goes out to the always-growing Arbor and Gresham. They're a community group on the south side of Chicago that received a $10 million grant from their Prisker Charbert Foundation to advance a plan to turn a four-story building into a healthy lifestyle hub. This project will transform an abandoned building and a vacant lot into a neighborhood gathering spot in the Auburn Gresham neighborhood. Auburn Gresham is considered one of Chicago's most undeserved neighborhoods. The building would include healthcare, nutrition, urban farming, and a recycling enterprise facility and office space in this neighborhood. The project provides hope to youth in this area, families and seniors who have endured decades of disinvestment in poor condition. Man, and I hope this is one of many to come. Thank you.
0: And Jules, that, that's an amazing curtain call. And shout out to, to those guys for that work and that project. And I look forward to seeing uh, the future uh, development when it's uh, when it's built. Listeners, as always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Deezer. We appreciate your continued support of this podcast. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace.